0: in your uh, in your opinion, what are uh, what, what would you say are the best uh, or the most important uh, metrics which really matter when we are uh, trying to identify ESG priorities?
1: So a couple of things, right? I mean before we uh, get into the uh, matrix, I think sustainability per se we, one has to see how it sits in the strategy right uh, how it fits into the corporate strategy. If it is in the core or the heart of the corporate strategy, it makes sense. Sustainability or the ESG uh, priorities cannot sit away from from the business. So it has the first thing is it has to be sitting in the business. Businesses have to own it up. Second, I would say in terms of ownership from the top management, and it has to be driven by the top management, right? For example, in Bayer, we have. The uh, CEO is also the, the chief sustainability officer globally. So he, you know, he owns it up at that end and then it flows into the businesses. So that's the second point. The third point is also in terms of matrix, we need constant feedback, constant uh, evolution, uh, because this is a very evolving field, right? All of us are learning, companies are learning, businesses are learning. And in the process, we need constant feedback and outside in view. So these are three things. uh, And and I would say at Bayer, we have a sustainability global council, which is independent of the businesses, independent of our own employees. So we get to hear from them uh, what's happening across the world. Are we in the right direction? Uh, Are these making sense? And that's something which is critical, right? We have to have uh, it in the strategy, led by the top management and constant outside in view. So that's the three I would say, must-dos that organizations need to look at. But in terms of matrix, again, I would say this is something which has to be driven as a part of the strategy and monitored maybe on an annual basis or a quarterly basis, depending on what works for the company. For example, in a company like Bayer, we have three businesses, crop sciences, pharma, and consumer health, right? So nutrition and health, clear matrix in terms of we should be. Re- there are three uh, matrix which has been drawn out, and we all across the world drive this. Uh, these are sustainability targets for the company, and we say that you know 100 million. We will reach out to 100 million smallholder farmers in small and medium uh, sized uh, countries uh, with our uh, you know agriculture solutions, reaching out to 100 uh, million women in different uh, small and medium, uh, low and medium income countries in terms of modern contraception. Similarly, even for, uh, you know, self-care and health, access to health. So these targets are clearly defined and we all have these, our compensations linked to these targets. So it's as simple as that. Top management compensation is linked to these sustainability targets. It has to flow in from the top, and it has to be part of the business strategy. And everybody has to drive it. As simple as that, right? So that's that's something that I would want to put uh, to start off with.
0: That's really interesting, uh, uh, Rashna, and we'll come back more to that. Uh, over to Matt. Matt, you've also worked with uh, you know companies uh, like Vodafone in India on. On various uh, uh, public affairs challenges as well, and so you do have an understanding of what uh, what is the situation in in India. Um, last time we spoke, you had shared some very specific uh, metrics which can be used for companies to identify uh, post uh, you know post pandemic. Uh, what would be your advice on what kind of metrics? Uh, uh, a company should
2: look at, especially in the Asian context. Um, hello, everyone, and um, nice to meet all of you, and thank you for asking me to, to join you. Um, so look, I think in terms of the the matrix that you need to apply when you start thinking about the ESG challenges for an organization, I think the first thing I would say to everyone is please have a look in the chat because Barul has helpfully dropped the SASB materiality map into the chat, and that is pretty much the industry standard framework that everyone should hold in their minds when they start to think about uh, answering the question, what are the ESG challenges for my company? So SASB, the SASB framework is used by everyone, okay? It's used by all the ESG teams that I know across all the multinational clients we have in Blurred. And um, uh, more importantly, it's also used by all of the institutional investors. Yeah, so the shareholders in these companies, uh, when they're thinking about um, material risks to value presented by ESG factors, the first thing they reach for is SASB. So having kind of SASB ingrained in your mind is a very important starting point when you start to think about metrics in ESG. Now, having said that, um, uh, at the risk of introducing a lot of complexity very, very early on in this session, what everyone needs to understand is that all of this is about to change. And it's about to change in a number of different dimensions. So the first really important change that is that actually was announced at um, uh, COP27, uh, COP26 last year and has now taken effect is that SASB, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, um, has merged with the financial body that oversees financial reporting, the IFRS Foundation. the International Financial Reporting Standards Foundation. And they've created a new beast called the ISSB, the International Sustainability Standards Board. Um, There are an awful lot of acronyms in ESG, as I'm sure you all know, and um, these are some of the worst. The key thing about the ISSB is that for the first time ever, that body is bringing together the reporting of financial data alongside the reporting of ESG data, with the same level of rigour, analytic skill, and scrutiny. So whereas in the past, well, actually the present, companies have got used to this idea that you have the, um, you have the 10K or the annual report and the counts, um, and you have all the numbers in the back of the book that are poured over in great detail by the audit committee, by the external auditors, by obviously investors, and by many others. And then you've got this thing called the sustainability report, or the CSR report, which is often a separate publication that has lots of stock images of rainforests and happy children and has nice case studies um, and may have some numbers in it. um, Increasingly will have numbers in it, but it's a different thing to the annual report. It has a much lower level of management scrutiny because it's just CSR, right? Those days are over. They're over, because the ISSB has come into being to ensure that ESG communications are as rigorously constructed and scrutinized as financial communications. And that has massive implications for communicators, um, has massive implications for companies, it has massive in- implications for sustainability professionals. I mean, in my view, it's like 20 years overdue. Um, and the reason why this has happened, just to be clear... Um, and actually, the pandemic is is an interesting illustration of why it's happened, is because across the entire investment community, including in Asia, including in India, there is now a widespread understanding that ESG factors are critical risks to value. If you get this stuff wrong, you can destroy value in the company from an investor perspective. And the reason why the pandemic brought that into sharp relief is the pandemic showed what happens when an unforeseen significant external factor whacks a whole load of companies out of nowhere, um, deeply disrupts supply chains, deeply disrupts workforces, and has an enormous impact on value. And, you know, no surprise, there's an awful lot of people out there in the investment community have realised that if COVID can do that to us, what can climate change do? Yeah, so so... The increasing severity and frequency of extreme weather events associated with warming above two degrees means more COVID-style highly material disruption to the supply chain. So the ISSB is coming to being because investors want it. And investors want companies to produce ESG data and ESG metrics that are accurate, that are not overstated and greenwashed, that are comparable but from one company to the next, which is extremely hard to do, but that's what they want. Um, And they're pushing very hard for these changes to happen right now. So the first new ISSB standard was agreed two weeks ago at COP27. Uh, It's a standard called IFRS-S2, for those who are interested. Um, And it is a mandatory reporting standard focused on climate risk. So the extent to which climate risk will materially Impact the financial performance of a company is now an accounting standard.
0: So that's really um, that's actually um, that's really interesting. Uh, so that uh, it's uh, that means a lot of communication also has to happen. So before I bring in uh, the uh, Dipti from IIM Bangalore, I have a quick question for uh, Rachna. Rachna, these sound like a lot of uh, acronyms and a lot of uh, technical details. Uh, where does communication then uh, come into this and make it more uh, understandable
1: to the to the stakeholders at large? Yeah. So I mean, as, as you know, uh, I said earlier, sustainability is a has a huge reputational, you know, angle to it. In fact, it is driven, you know, dri- uh, driven by a lot of reputation discussions. That's why communicators need to be involved very, very at the start. Right, and that's that's how uh, we can build in a lot of discussions around it. Also, sustainability and the ESG part of it is a lot to do with external um, interface, and that's where communications is very important in terms of reporting, in terms of storytelling, in terms of understanding, making it easy to understand, and also getting outside in view, whether it's with the this- shareholders whether it's with employees whether it's with the partners collaborators or customers I think communicators or communications per se sits at the center of the entire aspect of sustainability and I can tell you that you know without communication this doesn't flow in at all it is a huge reputational aspect it has a huge reputational aspect to it
0: that that is uh that is indeed true i'd like to bring in uh Dipti galapati now from am bangalore welcome Dipti. thank you bangalore. Uh, Deepti, uh you know uh for those of you who may not be aware uh am bangalore has just recently launched uh, an esg uh EST course, uh, communication and capturing course for uh, for their post uh, for their uh, executive program, not for the MBA students at large, but for their specifically for their executive program. And um, and uh, Dipti, why did IIM Bangalore feel the need? I mean, it's it's a premier uh, premier institution. Why did it feel the need to to uh, have such a course for the for management uh, executive program management students?
3: Uh, thank you for that question, Parul. And a very good afternoon to all of you. I'm I'm so happy to join this discussion after Matt and Rachna have set the context because Matt was talking about the issue of climate change and how COP27 has, you know, recently literally wrapped businesses on their heads and said. You know, zero tolerance for um you know net zero emissions not happening in a proper way and rachna brought out the communication aspect of it and and as uh, you know she rightly pointed out if if communication is brought in very early if it is uh, measured in terms of the objective set in then you can have really clear outcomes and it's something that can be easily quantifiable. Having said that coming to your question Parul on you know why IMB is um, you know very keen on bringing out a sustainability as part of its curriculum um, we have always uh, you know tried to keep our curriculum in touch with what's happening in the industry and one of the recent um, you know endeavors that the director and a committee set forth to find out is uh, what is the industry really uh, seeking and digital data and ESG were three aspects that came out during this exercise, that these should have a more prominent place in our curriculum. So we are working on strengthening, even in the full-time MBA programs, we're working on strengthening the core courses to have an integration and bring forth this aspect of digital data and ESG. And we plan to also um, have an undergraduate program where one of the majors will be on sustainability. Uh, but having said that, today we just launched this program for executives um, on ESG management, reporting and communication. And what is interesting to see is the participants who are in this program are coming with experience of 15 years having worked in this sector, as well as mid-career professionals who are you know, completely trying to switch and see how they could you know, contribute to this aspect that the organizations are Wanting them to kind of bring forth to the table. So on one hand, see, we have participants who have considerable amount of experience um, who are heading their sustainability um, wings in their organizations. But why are they coming back for a program like this? Is clearly there is uh, you know a, an evolving nature of this. You know, subject matter, which means that there have to be more deliberations. There has to be a much more broader view in terms of seeing how can we integrate this because. Like Rachna rightly said, there is so much of interface with an external audience. So as long as businesses are thinking about, okay, communicating internally and what what should be done, it's fine. But when an external factor influences so many decisions, then it is necessary for, uh, you know, a lot more of uh, collaboration in terms of seeing how do we integrate this into the program and make sustainability a part of the culture, part of the work culture, but not try to fit it into you know, compliance, not try to fit it into reports and, you know, then work through this way, but to make it a part of the work culture itself and that is why these senior leaders are coming back to this you know for a program like this and seeing because clearly uh there are gaps clearly there are things that are not working out uh like matt said there are you know newer and newer uh, assessment standards coming out and these are changing every year because climate change is such a thing right there is uncertainty there is risk evolving so the nature of Climate change itself has implications on how businesses run and that's why we need a very different approach to deal with uh, something like um, an ESG management, reporting and communicating about it.
0: Uh, thank you, Dipti. I think uh, it's, it's very heartening to know that uh, even at the education level, because traditionally there's always a gap between what academics is doing and what the market is uh, requires. So it's really interesting to know uh, know that. I'd like to come back to uh, to Matt. Uh, you, uh, you know, like you uh, you just mentioned that uh, the establishment of the ISSP is actually, like you're saying, it's a very big deal. So uh, how do we actually uh, take it forward? Because um, you know, companies like Bayer, of course, and um, Mahindra, Tata's, they are big companies. They can uh, they would probably be more ready. But there are many other companies who may not be that, that ready. So in terms of, uh, you know, both in how does one move forward? How would how do you see them moving forward to comply with this first part? Uh, second part, which I also like Rashna to join in. How would the communication be structured for that?
2: Yeah. Okay. So I think the first thing to understand is that there is no optionality in this conversation. They haven't got a choice. <laughs> right? Uh, it, these are international financial reporting standards. Um, and the, uh, the obligation on all companies that present accounts uh, uh, to their shareholders, whether they're private shareholders or in the capital markets, is to present those accounts in a way that can be readily understood by everyone, which is why we have IFRS standards that have been around forever. Um, so the ISSB standards are just the same. Um, and whether the company is big or small, it doesn't have an option to do other than to do this. It's mandatory. Right? That's the way it works. Um, so I think in terms of getting smaller companies ready to do this, well, a lot of it actually is going to fall on the finance function. And, and we haven't mentioned financial reporting and accounting and finance yet when we're talking. I don't think we have any when we're talking about different functions. But actually, increasingly, it is the finance function that is the point of the spear in ESG. Um, so, by way of context, at Blurred, we've got probably now somewhere about 40 or 50 multinational clients. I would say around half of our client contacts are the CFO yeah, or the general counsel. Uh, we, we do deal with corporate affairs directors. Um, they're, they're, they are certainly in the room. But the, the anxiety that the clients have that brings them to us is increasingly an anxiety about their capital markets communications. Um, and about their legal obligations and their compliance risks. So basically, companies aren't a choice. And it doesn't matter where they are in the world. It doesn't matter whether they're private or public, big or small. If they present their numbers, they're going to have to present them under ISSB standards. And the ISSB is abundantly clear. And if, you'll see this if you click on the, the link in the chat with the news release announcing their creation, um, that this is the way it is going to be in the future. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the first example of that, um, because they, the ISSB only really sort of uh, formally assumed its functions in late July of this year, so it's very, very recent, um, is this new climate risk disclosure standard, IFRSS 2 um, which for those of you who know it is, uh, sorry, another acronym coming up, TCFD, so the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Um, which is a framework that companies on a voluntary basis today uh, comply with in reporting the extent to which climate risk could adversely affect their financial position and their their long-term financial performance. TCFD is now effectively a mandatory global accounting standard. That's what the ISSB have done. So um, executives in companies big and small all over the world, including in India, and actually especially in India, given the large number of companies we're talking about, are going to have to learn fast. They're going to have to learn fast. They're going to have to understand that this, the conversations about sustainability are not something you put right at the end of the agenda, at the end of a long management meeting, where you give it five minutes to flick through the photographs in the CSR report. I'm sorry, those days are long over, thank God. Um This is now top of agenda because the whole financial reporting world is changing.
0: Um, Some tough talk there, some uh, tough love from Matt. is coming up uh Rachita, uh matt specifically mentioned about capital uh uh you know market communication and risk and compliance and in fact we're going to hear more about risk from marianne who will be up shortly after this uh, Rachna, what do you think are these kind of varied communication is is today's corporate communicator ready to take this on and if not what do they need to learn
1: right so yeah absolutely i i agree with matt in terms of you know uh, the ownership, I think, a lot of uh, global companies. Uh, we have the finance teams and the uh, legal teams leading this. But it's very, very interesting. India is one of the few, in terms of, uh, con- not not um, developed economies, but few of those developing or almost developed economy, which is taking sustainability reporting very seriously. The BRSR reporting that we will have, uh, you know, starting next year is something that is is a great opportunity for all of us in india to start learning very very fast not too many countries are doing it right now right so as a glo- as a part of the global company we get to learn from our parent company saying hey you know can we learn from you in terms of sustainability reporting but a lot of this also falls with the communications team and why because sustainability does not it, reporting is one part of it but you have to as as Deekti said it is also almost like a culture. Employees are driving it. Customers are asking for it. Shareholders are asking for it, demanding it. I mean, we have youngsters, young potential employees, talking about purpose, talking about you know diversity inclusion, talking about climate change, talking about products, green, you know, uh, climate resistant products. Right. I, I mean, these are things that we really need to take care, of. and that's where the role of communicator comes in how do we tell our story in a way which goes to this target audience in a way that they want to hear. Second, when a communicator speaks, she or he does the homework well. The conviction, the conviction and the commitment of the company needs to be communicated in the right manner, to the right audience, in the right, through the right channels. Whether it's the website, whether it's the reporting, whether it's a video that you're doing, whether it's internal communication, whether it's products, uh, you know, how do you deal with those discussions with customers? I think those rounding off is something that falls very squarely on the communications team. And uh, just to give you an example, in India for our ESG reporting, right, uh, the sustainability BRSR reporting, we have a steering committee which where we have the CFO. Uh, we have the uh, general counsel, uh, I am in the communica- from the communications and public affairs uh, team, and of course, our, all our teams are involved in, in this. It's not just driven by one function. It has those aspects as well, which are softer, but a very, very strong aspect. And I think all of the target audience or stakeholders are listening. Uh, apart from the reputa- uh, reporting part, I think reputation part is extremely high here. Yeah. Thank Can you. I just
2: give a quick, very quick supplemental? Something that we say to all of our new clients when we first start working with them, which might be helpful to share with everyone. So, there's a simple formula good ESG equals good data plus good storytelling.
0: Thank you. On that note, um, thank you all of you for joining us. It's been a, a long discussion from 3 to 5, 3 to 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., but thank you all for, for staying, uh, staying throughout.